Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. I am always grateful that you come and join me in my office to share, uh, man, just leadership principles and lessons we can learn from other godly, amazing church leaders. Uh, This podcast really has the focus of hearing wisdom, application, truth applied, this knowledge applied into wisdom, where people on on the ground right now are serving the Lord and sharing deep revelation and truth that they've experienced as they're serving God and uh, learning from them. It's called Leadership Lessons Podcast. And so oftentimes podcast, there's this person and that person and they're gleaning information and talking back and forth. This is a little bit of a different aspect or focus. I literally ask preachers and pastors and missionaries and church planners and leaders in the church preach to us. That's right. It's the foolishness of the world, but man, for us, it is glorious. And we as church leaders need to hear preaching. We need to hear God's word applied, specifically application to the ministry that he's called us to do. And so this is uh, another episode, episode 18 of season five, where we have two new um leadership lessons and preaching to us. One is more of a topic on spiritual sonship, spiritual sons and fathers by a guy named Pastor Glenn Schaefer. He's actually a spiritual father of a good friend of mine, Ron Jones. He comes to Florida often and we share and have fellowship and we've learned a lot from him with many round tables and different things like that. And I was just wanting clarity on this subject of like, Hey, you talk a lot about spiritual sons, spiritual fathers, and this this idea of like uh, more than just a mentor or a coach, but like, what does that look like? What do you mean by that? And so he did this lesson on spiritual sons and fathers, which I think is just excellent. He just clarifies and it's so biblical and truthful and just encouraging to hear his perspective, uh, which he's a part of the ATI, Apostolic Teams International. I'm a part of the Calvary Chapel tribe and we have different um, secondary issues that we disagree upon right? Um, But he's a part of the family of God. And it's so great to be able to ask people to come into this platform and to say, can we just learn from you? Like what truth, what revelation has God been teaching you? And so it's been awesome to have Glenn a part of this podcast. This isn't his first lesson. He's done many things, not only uh, publicly with these videos, but privately in the ministry sewn into South Florida. And especially with friends like Dan Grittner, uh, Ron Jones, and others a part of the ATI movement uh, that we're so grateful for. We're so awesome. It's so awesome to have brothers and sisters to come and learn from. And so, man, I just said, preach, preach to us. But then I have another leadership lesson right after Pastor Glenn with Esteban Valenzuela. He's a missionary uh, in Madrid, Spain. Last episode, his wife did an amazing job preaching to us about just continually having radical faith. And uh, I asked Esteban to share uh, just his perspective on sonship. Because if we're talking about spiritual fathers and spiritual sons, we have to identify for us as ministry leaders, like what does it look like for us just to be uh, a spiritual son to the father? And what is our identity? Because oftentimes we try to find our identity in like a a, a movement, a denomination, a network, or maybe even who's coaching us or who we're discipling. But but God just wants to be our father. You know, I tell people all the time, we, we need to understand that we are the mission of Christ, right? He cares about us. We're Christians first before we're even leaders. Ministry should be an overflow of our hearts. So what does it look like for us to be a spiritual son? Sonship. We had the opportunity 
years ago to sponsor Esteban and send him to a class, a course on this idea of sonship that he's just going to basically share a lot of gospel truth and implications of what he learned through a testimony. And so I love it because this whole episode is about uh, spiritual sons and fathers and us even being a spiritual son to the father and what that all looks like and so important for us as church leaders. And so I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that we continue to do this. We're coming to the end of the season with episode 18, but we got a few more episodes in this season, especially this one's going to be a good one. We're going to have Pastor Glenn Schaefer share his Bible study and lesson first, and then we'll go straight into Esteban's sort of lesson as more of a testimony with our identity. And then at the very end of it, I'll come back up with a couple of just closing thoughts. And so I appreciate all you guys sharing, subscribing, listening to this podcast, and this time right here, uh, being able to sit down with you. I look in the lens, but I see specific stories uh, and I see and hear and am encouraged by how God is using this ministry to grow. Remember, we have YouTube videos. You can share those videos with your team. You can discuss them, uh, whether you're listening, working out on a road trip or even watching on video. I just pray, however, this comes to you that God would use it for his glory to bless you. And we would continue to be able to come with a humble posture to learn. We want to have this podcast be all about leadership lessons. What are we learning from those that are going before us? Thank God uh, for biblical truth that we can apply in our lives. And Jesus says, when we do so, we'll be blessed. And so thanks again for listening, for watching. Here is Pastor Glenn Schaefer. And then afterwards, Esteban Valenzuela. It's an honor to share this time together with you. Hi, I'm Glenn Schaefer, and my time with you today is going to address the subject of spiritual fathers and sons. I hope as we walk through this, something will be imparted to us in the heart of God towards people that we're caring for. I also want to give cautions and maybe some recommendations as we go through this, because every teaching and every idea and every thought needs to be balanced within the concept of the covenant of Christ and in Jesus. But what I want to share with you today is really something that has been worked in my heart that wasn't there naturally. I think probably because of the generation I grew up in. I'm on the tail end of the hippie rebellion independence. Not only that, I worked my way through Bible college selling books door to door. All of my work was sales and uh, positive mental attitude and be the very best and be the most successful. So when I came into caring and church leadership, it wasn't a heart that was teachable and submitted to others. It was really an independent heart. In fact, in my generation, if you had stayed at home after 18 years old, you would tell, man, you're, you're buying into the establishment. And don't believe anybody over 30. Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that was the, the spirit of the age uh, in the hippie movement, overturning in the establishment, rebelling against establishment. So consequently, I believe I took that independent heart, not knowing it, into how I was leading a congregation. So consequently, when sometimes some of the younger ones say to me today, Glenn, what was it like for you when you were 30 years old, needing a spiritual father? I say, I wasn't even aware that there were spiritual fathers when I was 30 years old. So 
I got to tell you, this is something God has worked in our heart. And as we begin to understand the message of the church, the kingdom of God, that it's out of relationship, and the need for healing and transparency and vulnerability and building by just pouring our lives into people, it's almost as if we backed into this need, not only to make disciples, but to be discipled and to spend time together with people with what is real and what is really open. But I'll never forget, when I was 48 years old, I believe I was with a group, in fact I was, with a group of younger ones. And when I left that group, I heard in my heart, which I believe was the Holy Spirit, that said, Glenn, where are the 25-year-old pastors? Now, I knew God wasn't saying pastors, but that's how he related to me, because when I started leading where I am, I was 25 years old. And what he was saying to me, I felt like in my heart I understood it, is where are those you're pouring yourself into for the next generation? And at that moment, something shifted in me toward really being a father, not only in my own family, but also in the house and in the church and the congregation where I was laboring. My whole mind began to shift. And from that time on, there'll soon be 20 years. That has been my focus. And strangely enough, when you get a truth, the scriptures begin to open to you and you see so many things in the Bible. Just the, what we all know, God the Father, God the Son. And God could have chosen many other ways to reveal himself, but he chose to reveal himself as the Father and Christ the Son, the eternal Son. I think it's interesting even in he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, multi-generations. You'll see patterns of Moses and Joshua, even though it may not seem like a relational model, yet Joshua remained in the tent, in the presence of God, because there was something he was receiving from Moses. I could take you through and you could see Elijah and Elisha. There's so many, you know, where Elisha cries out, my father, my father. You know, he didn't cry out, my prophet, my prophet. <laughs> he cried out, my father, my father. You'll see even Jesus Christ when he came. Isaiah told us, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Notice he said a child was born, but Jesus manifested the son. What it meant to be a son, the son of God the Father. Unto us was given a son. And of course Isaiah goes on to say, and he shall be called the everlasting father. What a principle laid out. One who really is as a spiritual father to me, Tony Fitzgerald, often points out in John chapter 17 when Jesus had finished his ministry and he had not even gone to the cross yet. In his prayer in John 17, he says, Father, I've completed the work for which you've sent me to do. In other words, those you've given to me, I've now made them ready. What a powerful thought. Yes, Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins, but the work he was doing in the earth was manifesting what it was like to be and know the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's a lot of truths in this. You see this even in the New Testament where John would say, there's no greater love than I have, there's no greater joy that I have than to see my own children walk in truth. What's he talking about? Is there some kind of wording he's using or is there some real truth? about the joy of pouring your life into other people. Paul 
made it very clear. It's probably only three spiritual sons he named, Onesimus, Titus, and Timothy. But you know, he was a father to the church at Corinth and the places he went and begotten in the gospel. He said, you have not many fathers. He was a father to them in so many ways. In Thessalonians, he said he came to them as tender, as a nursing mother. He, he didn't come harshly, he came tenderly. So I want to talk today about the principle of spiritual fathers. I think it's probably been abused. In fact, I know it has. Every good doctrinal teaching taken to the extreme becomes error. That's true. The flesh of man can do that with every doctrine. And I believe that's true with spiritual fathers and spiritual sons. So we need to talk about that. And I just want to make this clear, too. You, you would probably assume this, but when I talk about spiritual fathers, I'm really talking about spiritual moms, too. We're talking about spiritual mature believers who pouring themselves into others. When we talk about being spiritual sons, we also mean, of course, if you are female, spiritual daughters. I like when sometimes we say, if we men can be a part of the bride of Christ, then we let the daughters be sons of God. Because after all, isn't that what Jesus did? He came to bring forth what? Many sons to glory. I think it's interesting, even the writer of Hebrews says, in times past he spoke to us, to the prophets, but now in these last days he has spoken to us, chosen to speak to us through his Son. So the idea of the Son, what does it mean, first and foremost, for me to be a son of the Heavenly Father? When I wake up in the morning, before I'm a pastor, before I'm a leader, before I'm anything else, I need to know that I'm a son. That's the rest of my life. I walk that out knowing who I belong to, that my relationship is with the Heavenly Father. If that's not settled, if I don't know I'm fully accepted, fully loved, fully forgiven, fully received, then how can I pour into any others? So to talk about spiritual fathers and spiritual sons, I, I want to identify in three areas. I want to talk about it's a pattern that we see in the Scriptures. It's a principle that's realized in the Scriptures. And then I think it can become a person. And the reason I like to present it this way is sometimes you start talking about spiritual fathers and sons. You leave people almost with an orphan heart going, I need a spiritual father, I need a spiritual father, not realizing that Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, the heavenly father is not going to leave you unfathered. <laughs> it's either through the principle of the heart of the father, through a coach, through a mom or dad, or through pastors and leaders and mentors. So I don't want you anybody to think you've not been fathered. On the other hand, I want us to look at the reality of what it really means to be poured into relationally. Because you can have mentors that mentor you through a book. You can have mentors that teach you from afar. You can even have mentors on the internet. But spiritual fathers are in your life. It's two different things. It's relationship. You can download the best messages on the internet, but you can't download a life. The church still operates as a family. There's no secret of why God has chosen those terms of father and son. And Jesus would call us brothers. And, and when he taught us to pray, our father, which art in heaven, is including himself in that. When he says our father, the whole manifestation revealing of that is definitely a pattern. You see it in the scriptures. I could show you, as we just mentioned, through the Old Testament and even the New Testament, as Paul specifically said of Timothy, a true faithful son in the Lord. Or he would say of Titus, he is as a son in the Lord. He said of Onesimus, of all people, found in prison, 
I'm sure Paul shared Christ with him and discipled him and sent him back to Philemon as a son. Wow. Something must have happened in that prison. He poured his life into him. And that's what I want us to see. There's a principle. It's not just a pattern. There's a principle. And if I get this, it changes me from organizational mindset and structure of just teaching people to getting invested into people. The reason I want to share this whole principle of teaching of the spiritual fathers and sons is not for you to run out saying, who's my spiritual father? I'm somebody's spiritual father. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But for you to get the heart that the kingdom of God is built by relationship. The kingdom of God is from the inside out. The kingdom of God comes from life to structure, not from structure to life. It comes out of the God-given life. If you were to look in the New Testament, you would see an organic, living body of Christ that was investing in one another, pouring their life into one another, doing what Paul said when he says, the fathers save up for the children, not the children for the parents. He was willing to lay down his life and be willing to be spent and be spent. Why? Because that's what spiritual fathers do. They give of themselves. They're not just teaching information and inviting you to a class. All those things are important. We need classes and we need teaching. But we also need lives that we would take time to say, God, who have you put around me? So that's where it not only is a pattern of principle, it can become a person. Where you look at those who have invested in you and poured into you and walked with Christ with you. That is what we see the principle of the scriptures when we know that God is bringing forth many sons to glory. That is his heart, as according to Hebrews 2.10. We know and understand that this is part of what it means to see and understand the works of God. So let's talk a little bit then about what does it mean to be a spiritual father. What do we mean by that? And, and you may be afraid of the term spiritual father because I think there's been abuse of it. There's been people, and we're going to talk about some of the cautions, but there's been people who've laid claim on others too quickly. Oh, he's my spiritual son. And that transgresses their conscience. And we need to understand why that needs to be done properly in the proper order and not the way that you quickly lay claim to someone. And on the other hand, there's people who've walked in this revelation that put demands on their conscience, that you can't make that decision without checking with me. That is a transgression against conscience. Your conscience belongs to you and God. God is in charge of your own conscience. Even the scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 4, Paul says, even my own heart or my conscience says I'm right, doesn't mean that I'm right, only the Lord judges. So even my own conscience is submitted to God. That's why he makes it so clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, as well as in Romans 14, that believers live and walk out their conscience. So many people have used discipleship or spiritual fathers and sons to transgress conscience and lay claim and hold on the people too quickly. So if you have a negative concept of it, Hear what we're saying today. It really is a biblical pattern. It's a principle. And let's push away those things of the flesh that have hindered it. And let's discover what God is using in his church. True spiritual fathers and mothers. What is a spiritual father? Well, it's someone with a deep, lasting, strong relationship with the Heavenly Father. They know themselves who they are. And not only that, but their own heart has been moved towards the next generation. There's a reason why God's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'll see it mentioned generational. God is a generational God. 
bring his blessings upon a thousand generations. We know that word thousand means all the generations, just like he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God is interested in the generations. He's a generational heart toward his people. Upon your sons and upon your daughters, the scripture says, and upon all those whom the Lord shall call. It's always generational. So when a heart of a person turns toward the next generation, and that's what I like about this present generation. I was alluding to myself when I grew up, our generation, we didn't want spiritual fathers. <laughs> There's a lot said against the younger generation today negatively, but I see a redemptive quality is they're hungry for spiritual fathers. Maybe they haven't had the father naturally in their home and life and they have to be healed from some of the loss and abandonment, but there's also a great hunger. I've watched generations sit around and just draw upon the Word of God. In fact, in my generation where we thought we were wrong if we hadn't left the house by the time we was 18, today you can't get the generation to leave after 28. <laughs> but there's something positive about that too. They're receiving something generationally. I believe that. I actually believe that God has set up this present time for an understanding of his kingdom to be more closely and more powerfully received through relationships. And so you see that in Malachi chapter 4, the verse people talks about that when Elijah comes, he will turn the heart. He'll come in the power of Elijah, and he'll turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to the fathers. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of revival. That was a picture of Christ coming. In fact, Jesus said, John the Baptist is Elijah. If you can handle it, he said, you have ears to hear. John the Baptist is Elijah. What did John the Baptist do? He came preaching repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why? So that the hearts of the fathers would turn towards the sons and the daughters. And the hearts of the children would turn towards the fathers. And evidence of kingdom reality is when spiritual leaders become invested in people and not just organizations but in people generationally. That's a evidence of revival. It's evidence of repentance. He said, lest I come and uh, smite the earth with a curse. He was giving Israel a chance to repent in that 40 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. That's what that verse is all about. But what it reveals to us is that the heart of the father is turned towards the next generation. Another thing about a spiritual father is the heart of the spiritual father is desires to impart to birth. You know, Paul says, I am a father to you because I birthed you in the gospel. You know, whether you birthed them or labored in the gospel, you formed. You know, Paul says, I travailed uh, again <laughs> that, that Christ would be formed in you. Like a mother would travail in birth. I travailed. My dear children, I travailed, worked hard and labored in prayer that Christ would be formed in you. That's a sign of a spiritual father. You're forming Christ. You're not just giving information. You want to see them come forth into the call of God in their life. Every gift fulfilled. That's why you really can understand a spiritual father. No, not focused about them. I hear people go, I've got 700. I heard a guy on the internet saying, I've got 750 spiritual sons. I'm going, no, you don't. You can't have 750 spiritual sons. That's, <laughs> that would be illegitimate. You may be a king and they may be your servants. And they got to go through protocol to come and talk to you. No, 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 no. Sons is where you do life together. You pour your life into one another. This is not something you're claiming to yourself. There's no, no one, no true father would claim in the number of his sons. He would invest 
in those whom God has given him. It's also one of the ways you can tell a spiritual father, it's one who's willing to spend and be spent. They're willing to invest, as I mentioned a while ago. Paul says that he was willing to spend and be spent, pour out what he had into their life. See, if this is not about the person you're pouring your life into, you're not being a spiritual father. If it's about you, them helping you fulfill your vision, that's not what a spiritual father is about. A spiritual father is about equipping the saints so the saints do the work of the ministry. A spiritual father is one who has reproduced spiritual children. I don't mean of them, I mean of Christ. That's first and foremost. We need to know that we're passionate, intimately following Christ. That's important for us. As a spiritual father to someone, I want to always remind them that first, we're brothers before anything else. The covenant of Christ is the highest first and foremost. Not our relationship as spiritual father and son. Let me serve as a spiritual father and yes, be as a spiritual son. But let's not forget that we're brothers first and foremost above everything else. So to have that intimate relationship where Paul actually made the mention, he said that you don't have many fathers. And then over in 2 Corinthians, he says that I've come the measure that was given to me. The authority I have with you is because I preached Christ to you. I've formed Christ in you. So a spiritual father or mother, we could say, what do they do? They help their sons and daughters reach their God-given potential. That's exactly it. Just like you would a natural son. You want to see them go beyond. You want to see them fulfill what God has for them and to walk through forming them in Christ's character. Now, what does this look like? What does it look like to be a spiritual father? Number one, it takes time and commitment. I think it's easier to preach information than it is to live a life. <laughs> it takes nothing. In fact, I could live a double life. I could preach to thousands and have a secret life and you not know anything about it. But I cannot form a disciple or pour into a spiritual son and have that same stronghold in my life. I can never get somebody else free from where I'm in bondage. I can never see Christ formed in them if he's not formed in me. This is not about information. This is not being over someone. This is about coming under someone. Like Jesus came and turned the pyramid upside down and said the greatest would be the one who served. Don't be like the Gentiles who want to lord it over them. Exuadzo means bring them the power and control of another. No, no, no. But the other way, come under and lift them up. So it requires time and commitment. Number two, it requires being available. Well, obviously, if time and commitment, but being available. This varies and should. There's no set requirement. Just like a natural father would be there for his sons if he's a true father. So spiritual fathers. Number three, it demands a prayer life. Christ is formed in them. Paul's saying, I travailed that Christ be formed in you. This is not just giving information. This is walking through. Next, it requires long-suffering and mercy. <laughs> As a spiritual father, you're going to be with them. You're not kicking them out. Well, it doesn't mean you don't correct. It doesn't mean you won't even do the hard things. Right? The opposite. You just don't come heavy-handed. You come tenderly. As Paul says, I came to you as a nursing mom. I came to you tenderly as a parent. Why? Because that was the way his heart was towards them, full of mercy and long-suffering. To be able to say, yes, I've observed this. Are you aware of this going on in your life? Yes, to properly confront someone. 
So then what does it mean? What are the responsibilities of a spiritual father? Well, I could say, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, is to warn and to admonish. That's right. There's times that we would go in a way to warn and admonish, not harshly, putting your arm around them and saying, I've observed, what are you thinking? Are you aware of this? What's going on in your life? Also in the same chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it talks about encouraging. It talks about affirming. Spiritual Father affirms. It's like a blessing. <laughs> it's like an alignment, affirming, encouraging. Also, we have to see in verse 16 and 17, they're serving as an example. Serving as an example. That Paul says, you follow me as I follow Christ. Serving as an example before them. And yes, spiritual disciplines according to spiritual measure that God has given. That you would minister to people, care for people, love people according to your measure. Not go outside your measure. There's some you're going to have a greater measure with. Why? Because you've invested emotionally. You've invested time. You've invested life in them. So when Paul says you, don't, you may have 10,000 instructors, but you don't have many fathers, it also means it's not only one father. God may use a couple of people in your life, maybe multiple, two or three people, to bring the fatherhood of God, but there may be one person that walks that out for you. Why? Because they've saved up to see you grow in the power of God what they're doing, they're serving. Well, that's what a spiritual father is. What's a spiritual son? Well, I have to say a spiritual son who's one who's been ministered to, received, you could say begotten if you led them to the Lord, or they've been served in the gospel. And so they ultimately, intimately know their heavenly father. This is about those who already know who they are. You know, I remember going to someone that would have seen me as a spiritual father. And I know sometimes when I was around them, they were a little bit uncomfortable. And I realized that my position as a spiritual father was out of order with them. So we sit down one day and I said to them, don't ever forget, I don't want to ever forget that we're brothers before anything else. Yeah, I will love you and I will serve you and I'll care for you and I'll walk along with you and I'll be a spiritual father if that's what God has called to, to walk out. But we're first brothers in the Lord. Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers, so I'm we need to be brothers first because that's ultimately the covenant. I need to be able to receive truth from you as well. I need to receive insight because we're brothers. Yes, there's a place for spiritual sonship. And yes, there's a place to receive those fathers. I just ask you a question. Who's walking out spiritual sonship with you? Who's walking out as a spiritual father? Who would you go to right now? Well, that spiritual son who's walking out spiritual sonship coming to you, pour your life into them. Then also, a spiritual son is one who acknowledged another who has a place in their life. There has to be a place. And I, th I think that's important because they're open themselves to receive and their orphan heart gets displaced, not only from the heavenly father, because I don't care who or what family you're raised in, all of us need healing. <laughs> there's always, there's, there's this area of abandonment in us because why? We came from sin. We were separated from God in our sin and depravity. And when we come to God, yes, we're now fully received, fully accepted, fully loved, fully believed, fully uh, forgiven. But it takes renewal of our understanding, revelation for that to be in our heart. So it has to be someone whose heart has been healed or in the process of being healed and the orphan heart displaced. Therefore, you're not afraid 
to walk that out and you honor those fathers whom God has placed in your life. If I was to give a couple of cautions to wrap this up, here's what I would say. Don't forget, God is the Father. Keep it in balance. It's in that heart that we can serve. Yes, He reveals the Father likeness to us. And yes, maybe the heart of the Father is revealed to someone, but ultimately, He has to be the Father. Let's be careful not to lay claim onto someone too quickly. Oh, that's my spiritual son. Oh, these are my spiritual sons. I'm not saying don't say it. I'm saying don't lay claim too quickly. Let them say it. Just say, they've seen me as a spiritual father. I'm here to serve them. That's okay. And it's okay, I guess, to say I'm serving as a spiritual father. I'm a spiritual father to them. That's okay. But don't go around laying claim on people too quickly. You could transgress their conscience. So be careful in using the words father and son just too haphazardly. Why? Because we don't want to lock people into us. We want to grow them up into Christ. This is about freedom. Remind you, freedom is not independence. We can have a submitted heart to the Heavenly Father and to one another and walk in freedom. If this spiritual father, spiritual son does not produce freedom, something's out of order. So guard the conscience of others. Don't step into the place that only belongs to God. If their conscience is in a particular area, what Paul may have described as weak, not because it was actually less than, but it was tender, then we are to honor that. Don't step over it. If someone says, God's told me to do this, well, then that's above my pay scale. <laughs> I'm out of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I have to agree with you, but I'm out of the conversation. I can't add to that because that's far above me. I'm only in sales. <laughs> I'm not into management and ownership. And so I cannot tell what somebody what God's will is for their life. That's damaging. So stay within your measure. Guard against their conscience. And remember, sonship and fatherhood is a grace that manifests the Heavenly Father. How would He do it? It's a principle that really comes out of a task of love. Well, I hope this gets something in your heart. Don't be afraid of the term spiritual father, spiritual sons, because it definitely is a pattern. It's a principle. And according to Jesus, it's a person. And according to Paul, it's a person. And God has placed people in your life as well. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge of the Holy Spirit to cause us to care about people and to pour our lives into people more than anything else. And we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, uh, my name is Esteban. I'm the pastor and church planter of a church in Madrid, Spain called Raíces Madrid. And I'm here with Pastor Daniel, and it's been a, a pleasure to spend time here in Florida with him and his family and his church. And I get the opportunity today to share with you guys something that's very near and dear to my heart, something that um, has not just touched my, my life or my heart, but really uh, changed my life. Um, people, as people, we walk with the Lord as believers, we walk with the Lord and, um, you know, time goes by and, and hopefully we want to be in church. We want to be learning the word. And, um, that's what we did with our lives, myself and my wife. Uh, God called us to the mission field right around 2010, 2011 through a time of big time suffering. 
big time suffering. And, um, you know, I wouldn't wish those times on anybody, but um, what God did in my heart, I, I would do it all over again because he just poured his spirit out upon me and really began to bring me back to Jesus and the gospel. It was all about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, he showed me what it was to be justified and um, to be, begin to rest in God, in the finished work that Jesus Christ has done. And so that was just this beginning uh, wave of what God was doing in my life, in my heart, and really came through suffering. The, um, the call to go to Spain uh, came through that time, and um, it was a slow process. We couldn't just get up and go or just uh, plan to leave at any moment. We were uh, stopped by a situation that really kept us where we were at. But in time, we kept praying and persevering, knowing that God was calling, and we had three kids, and finally we sold all of our things, got visas, and left for Spain in 2015, January. And so the vision was to plant a church that would plant other churches. We went to a European city in, in, in Spain, the, the capital, and planting a church in uh, Western Europe is much different than planting in the USA uh, for the most part. So we began to just by faith meet on Sundays. We were a little uncomfortable group of like three, four people. And we would just meet at a, at a, a language school, renting this place out for, um, for just the afternoon, doing Wednesday night stuff in our, in our home. And last, uh, last year, last November, we celebrated five years. And God has grown the church. God has given us other leaders people that are involved in serving, and we have been teaching the word and discipling people. And it's been a crazy adventure, to say the least. And um, there are times when we really, uh, we sow in tears, and um, God really allowed us to be desperate for him throughout the whole time. And um, we didn't have a launch team. Uh, there's great resources out there, you know, of, of for planting, for uh, preparing, for having a, uh, an official launch date. And we didn't have any of these things. We just stepped out one step at a time, uh, believing that God had called us and that we were gonna plant a church and that um, the work was going to happen. And so we've, looking back, we've seen a lot of those things happen. We've seen God deliver us from our, our crazy trial in the US. But we're real people. You know, and uh, around 2019, uh, we found ourselves, myself and my wife, just relationally uh, bogged down, stressed uh, between her and I, just a lack of connection. And, um, and so we had to just kind of face some things and begin to, in the field, sort them out, you know, because we're not going to quit and we're not going to leave what God has called us to do. So we were just face to, to, to say, what can, we, what can we do? And God put this um, amazing uh, discipleship, mentorship um, program in my lap. Um, it's called Sonship. And it comes through an organization called Surge. And um, they're uh, great people. And this Sonship program, we had a mentor that took us through it, uh, changed our lives. You know, Paul talks about in Galatians 2.20, he says, um, I've been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I, did, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. God showing me like that, look, you're not justified by any, any works of the law and you are justified by faith. That's what one of the great works God did in my life when we were just in suffering, right? And um, so we, we, we move forward. We're still serving the Lord. And I love what I love about this verse is that Paul says that the life that I now live in the flesh, he lives by faith in the Son of God. And he's talking about relating to God based on his righteousness, on the righteousness of God, on the justification that God does. It's all by faith in what Jesus Christ did. And it's a daily thing. I look at what Paul wrote and I and I get this sense that it's a daily living by faith in that and trusting it, that that's what he did. And so we came to realize, okay, something needs to change. We start doing this sonship and 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 God begins to just get a hold of our hearts. We we know a lot of the 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 formal theology. And so we, we kind of have like a little bookcase in our minds. If you've been walking with the Lord, if you're a believer and you've had some training or you've had uh, pastoral uh, experience or any other kind of ministry experience, you have that formal theology, right? You have like this nice bookcase in your mind where, you know, all the, the books are aligned and you know what to do and you, you know what, how to teach the word or you know what God expects from you. But what I, what I came to realize is that we have this other functional theology, meaning this functional theology is what we use to get by every day. And, 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 and as it was presented to me this way, I, I began to see myself a little bit different. And so this functional theology that we use for so many years before we're believers or that we use to really survive in the world is our go-to, is um, is not the path of faith. It's the path of, I got this, uh, I can do it in my strength, or it's a resource that I can put my hands on so I feel safe. And you know whether that's lying or manipulating, we use this functional theology to just get by in so many aspects of our lives, whether it's work or relationships, you know? And so I realized that there was something happening within me that needed to change. and. I believe I was living by faith, like Paul talks about, that I was trusting in the righteousness of God. But it went beyond that. It went beyond that. And so this aspect of sonship, of being a son, was new to me. I could, I could grasp the righteousness of God in my account as he revealed it to me. But it was much more difficult for me to, to really, really grasp and believe and be joyful about the fact that I'm a son, that he he adopted me. I want to share this this verse with you. And... Um, Galatians 4 45 or 4 through 5 I'm sorry that says um, but when the fullness of the time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons so how often do you think of this uh, in your life? How does this theology affect your life? You know, is this part of your identity? Is this part of who you are as a Christian? Well, the Bible says so. If you put your faith in Jesus, if the Holy Spirit has filled you, if you've been sealed and you are 
heaven bound, you're an adopted son. And I found that this really wasn't touching too much of my life. That one aspect of it was that um, my, my, my sin, my idolatry, the, the, the idols of the heart um, were something real. You know, we look at the, the surface sins and, um, you know, I, I struggle here. Oh, I shouldn't have got mad at this person and raised my voice or yelled at them. Or, you know, I should have done this with this money instead of just keeping it. Or uh, I shouldn't have looked at that stuff on the Internet. I should have just cut it off or whatever. You know, we look at the surface sins. But what we fail to uh, really look at and what we neglect often is these idols that we have in our heart, whether it's control or pleasure or security um, or um, just several things that we as as humans long for and and we just at any at any cost uh try to get you know so we can't say sorry we can't just you know be free to love people we criticize people because of these idols in our hearts and so i realized that i am a son but i'm not believing it and as we went through this discipleship it's it's like taking a crowbar to the manhole cover Right. You know, you, you see these big plates in the street and it's like you pop that sucker open. It's not easy. You got to get that crowbar, whatever it is in there. And you got to pop that sucker open and, and then you can see what's inside. And that's kind of like what this discipleship was doing for me and my wife is that it was popping that 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 lid over the heart open to see, wow, look what's inside. And this is no surprise to to the Lord. And um, and so when we're relying on Jesus and his righteousness, it, it's a little easier to, to admit when you're wrong. Obviously, it's a little easier to, to not be so invested in this, um, this, this, your own righteousness, right? This little thing that you've built, you know, I have to protect it, my reputation, how people see me. Look, if, if you can just get rid of that, and you can believe that Jesus Christ has made you righteous in him by faith, and you can begin to, to be honest with yourself. And that's, you know, it wasn't easy, but we, we were able to begin to have this honest conversation with our mentor, with ourselves, and with my wife and I between us. And so what we found is that although we are sons, we live like orphans a lot of the time. We think like orphans. And what Paul is talking about is this every day believing the gospel, every day believing the gospel. And I look at myself as a, as a churchgoer at one time, right? I look at myself as a, a servant in the church. I look at myself as a, a, a Bible teacher and then a pastor. And I realize that, you know, I just have some of these really strong tendencies within me that, 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 don't seem to change. And I've been saved for 22 years now and, and, and the Lord has changed my life and I'm not perfect, but there's no doubt that the Lord has gotten a hold of my life. But there's still these deep things that we found in our hearts that were just stubborn and present and not obvious, kind of hidden, but manifesting themselves. And, and really what we found is that we had unbelief in our hearts. You know, I believe Jesus for heaven. And, and, and maybe I believe Jesus when I'm praying about 
planting the church or Lord, we need these certain things. And, and I can believe that, that, that God is going to uh, hear our prayers, right? But there are so many little aspects, so many little departments of my life that, that I just kind of live with that functional theology. It's got nothing to do with Jesus, even though it should. It's got nothing to do with me walking by faith. It's like I'm controlling it or I'm manipulating it or I'm, I'm just, I have my hands on it, right? And so one of the big things to consider is that you, we have unbelief as believers. You know, this guy came to Jesus and said, you know, heal my son. And he, Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. And this guy said, look, I believe, but help my unbelief. And so I think this was a really new thing for me. I've heard that verse before, but it was something that I never really was able to apply to myself. And as we went through this sonship, I realized unbelief is something that plagues uh, the Christian, the Christian life, the believer. And, um, and so I believe Jesus for heaven, for certain things, for leading us as missionaries. But when it comes to how I treat my wife or how I treat my kids or how I handle money, how I feel anxious when there isn't enough or, or if I'm, you know, anxious to maybe kind of reach out to some people because, Hey, we need money. And instead of wait, wait on my father. And so there's, this is just a couple of examples, but this can manifest itself in whatever, you know, you, you own a business, you hide some money from the IRS because, you know, I need that thing. I, I can't, I can't give this away because I need this to be safe. And so we don't believe, we don't believe that, 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 that the Lord is, who's given us everything in his, in his son is going to take care of these things. We're in a deadline. We have a certain perspective and we just refuse to believe. That's something that we see in Israel. Israel 1.0 that came out of Egypt, that died in the wilderness. These guys refused to believe the Lord. They had this unbelief that was a stumbling block to them and it caused them all kinds of trouble. And we find this in the, in the Christian life. And so we find that we, we are adopted sons, but we're living like orphans. This is something real. Um, the Lord through his word has told us, you know, I have adopted you. And, and in the context of when this was written, that's something really powerful and really permanent and really significant. But do you believe it, believer? And so as we went through this, you know, we realized we have these, these tendencies to pretend and perform. I, I, I kind of pretend and perform. When I'm with these people, I... You know, because I, I, I want to protect my reputation or I want to be looked upon as, as this, that, or the other. In church, with people, we want to show the best side of us. And so we're either pretending something to be something that we're not, or we're performing, trying to be this other person, this better person, or to portray this person before other people. And... We, that's not the, the, the life of faith that Paul is talking about, the life of faith that the Word of God calls us to live. And so when we began to do this, this sonship um, discipleship, it's kind of a multiple step process. Walking with Jesus, you know, walking with the Scripture, um, and you almost have to become aware of a problem See where it's happening in your life and you literally have to catch yourself doing it and ask, why am I doing this? At one point in this sonship, we had something called the tongue assignment. 
where it said for one week you can't lie, you can't uh, blame shift, you can't complain, you can't criticize. And um, maybe there was one or two other things that had to do with, you know, the personal aspect of thinking and talking um, as it relates to others. And you know what? That assignment was valuable because you realize how much you complain. You realize how much you criticize other people. Even if you kept your mouth shut for a week, what's happening? It's still happening on the inside. What is it that we're called to do? We're called to love the Lord our God with everything that we are. And what else? To love others. And that's to love others well. And whether it's in action or in words or in thought, it's so hard. It's so difficult to love others well to fulfill this this call that God has given us. And so whether it was idolatry that was manifesting itself in different ways, whether it's pretending and performing, which we found we were doing, um, whether it was this, I know I should live according to the truth, I've got the formal theology, but I just am so used to living by this code, this, I'm used to doing things this way. You know, it's like we had to begin to unite these things to see what was going on. And the part of the, the other steps is you just walk with it. You walk with what the Lord is showing you. You allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and to gently say, look, this is, this is where you're doing it. You're, you're, you're living like an orphan. You're thinking like an orphan. And so it's been valuable in so many ways, in so many ways between me and God, between me and God and just saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And, and it goes beyond heaven. It comes to today. You know, I was talking about this with Pastor Daniel last night. It's that, you know, God was pu- pushing him in a certain way to do something. Um, and, 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 and he was confident that God was doing it. And, 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 and I love that because we are convinced of certain things. And those things either cause us to fear or cause us to, to be confident. And really... Um, we're convinced of these, these things and of how they have to go and, and how they have to be. And the Lord is calling us to say, look, be confident in me, know me and, and walk with me. And that makes all the difference when we become confident, we're convinced this is who my father is. This is who I am in him. And it's this shift in the heart that begins to happen. And it's, it's a bit slow. It's not, it doesn't happen as, as fast as we would ever hope it would. But to learn to think like a son, to walk like a son, to let your heart move from that place of being uh, skeptical or to move, let your heart be moved from that place of always going to your functional theology to live. You slide over to the other side, to this, this formal theology, this, look, God has given us good information. He's given you good, good theology. And it's, it brings us near to him and he wants us to trust him and he wants us to live like sons and and that when you walk by faith and you you look at the word of god your faith is going to grow because you're going to see god and the holy spirit's going to elevate him <clears throat> and that's what we need for that confidence to grow for this sonship to be able to be lived out in our lives to to move away from always thinking and living like an orphan always pretending and performing it's exhausting. 
it's exhausting. And, and when you trust Jesus for his righteousness in your account to justify you, when you begin to see that, yeah, that's right. I'm loved like a son. I've been adopted. And you begin believing it. It's a game changer. And it doesn't make me perfect, but it impacted our marriage in the sweetest way because we realize we defend, we defend ourselves and we can, we can point that out with each other and say, Hey, you're defending yourself. Why? You know, let's be honest. Let's have an honest conversation. It's changed our, our home. You know, we want to preach the gospel to our kids. You know, I, I, I want to uh, allow a space and environment for the, for the, the goodness of the things of God to be um, deposited into their lives in our home. But I can't change them. But I can preach the gospel to them. I can shine, shine the light on these areas where their idolatry might be manifesting itself, right? But then I can also, this has also changed our ministry. It's freed me to be a pastor, to love people, to have this tendency to be critical, but then to say, okay, look, stop, stop. Look how patient your loving father has been with you. Look at the, the blessings he's lavished upon you. Look at what he did on the cross and in the resurrection. You can love this person and that's it. You know, you can preach the word of God and, and, and invest in the people and, and just pray the Holy Spirit brings the change. And so I'm, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that I've been able to address this unbelief that I have, that it, it's a plague in my life. It's a plague in the life of every pastor and believer across the world, I believe. And that what this has led us to is to be able to see the holiness and the righteousness of God, to be conscious of it, just to think, God, you are amazing. But also to see the reality and to be conscious of my own sinful nature. And there's this cross chart that we call it, and, and it's, a, it's a timeline. And then there's a point of salvation. And that's where we become conscious of, of God's holiness and consciousness of our um, of our sin nature, and 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 as those two lines, um, you know, separate, there's one that shows the cross being the same size, and while those things are should be growing, if the if the cross, if Jesus stays the same size, if our perspective of the gospel stays the same, there's going to be that space for unbelief for um, idolatry for pretending and performing, and it's going to touch every part of our lives. If you, if you if you're not walking by faith and you're not trusting in the righteousness of Jesus for you, it's going to hem you up from being able to 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 love other people because you have this standard you're living by, and you're going to want others to live by that standard. And it touches everything. It touches everything. Who we are in Jesus and what we believe, what we're convinced of, it will touch every part of our lives. And so that's why it's so powerful, but I think it's something that um, so many people are just oblivious to, like I was. I'm thankful that we're able to begin to address these things and to really walk in a lifestyle of repentance, right? If, I, if my, um, my sin nature is, is present and it's not going to be completely gone until the day I'm with the Lord, and he is holy, holy, holy. And, you know, in that second cross chart, if Jesus is getting, if the, if the cross is getting bigger, it's because you're realizing, holy God, wretched me. But Jesus 
paid it all. He's adopted me. He's made it all possible, right? And so that's what begins to to shine brightly in our hearts and our minds. We begin to be free to love others. And we realize, well, my the pattern of my life is repentance and faith, right? Because my sin is not gone. And I'm going to offend somebody, usually somebody close to me, my wife, my kids, somebody in the ministry. I'm going to offend God. And I'm never going to be perfect, right? Not an excuse to sin, never. But I can, I can see who I am, I can see who God is, and I can walk with this the way I should, as a son, not as an orphan, and um, and to begin to just repent when I need to repent, but always leading me back to what? To Jesus, to the gospel, to that great work that's finished, that he lived, fulfilled the law, died, although he was innocent, he died as a guilty sinner, and he rose from the dead. The greatest story of all human history, right? And that's what that's what this brings me back to. Being a son brings me back to Jesus. It brings me back to, Lord, you are good. You've made it all possible. And I am a wretch. And let's just keep on walking together. And I want to believe it. And hopefully, as you walk with it, some of that unbelief will be exchanged or trans- transformed or transferred to the the belief category like i said there's multiple steps in this and you 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 get to receive the information you um you have to catch yourself doing it you have to ask yourself why am i doing it and then you just walk with the lord and begin to to see these patterns of your life and look humility is everything humility is everything and 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 i hope that um if anybody's hearing this that that um, that you understand that that it's important to be humble, to be able to admit when you're wrong, to be able to say I'm sorry. This is another one of those things that we learned, you know, uh, false repentance. Um, you, why do I say I'm sorry to my wife when I upset her? Is it because I've thought about what I've done? I've thought about how it hurt her. And I'm really, truly repentant and sorry? Or am I saying sorry just because I want to put everything back into status quo? You know, I just want everything to be normal. I want everything to be cool. These things happen in our lives, you know, and, and this is who we are. But but thanks be to God that the, the power of, of the gospel, the power of the resurrection is working in our lives. And, 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 and the Lord wants us to walk this life of faith, not just for heaven, but today how you handle money, how you handle relationships, how you handle sex, how you handle work. And when somebody hurts you and it's hard to forgive, you need to live out your, your life as a son, as a daughter by faith and say, Lord, I don't have what it takes, but I want to forgive this person. And so it's this, it's this process that we can go through. I believe the Lord wants to bring us to over and over. He wants to free people in the, in the, in the seats of the church to be resting in Him, to be resting in their identity as sons and as daughters. So that's what I've you know learned in in a summary. There's so much more I could share, um, but I hope that this is a blessing to to some of you out there. And um, I'm thankful for the opportunity to get to share something that's so near and dear to my heart. And, um, you know, there's resources out there. Uh, this Sonship program is open to anybody. 
Um, and um, I would recommend it. I would recommend it and um, for marriages, for pastors, for ministry leaders, really for anybody. But those people, you know, marriages are important. And then the pastors and the leaders tend to have, you know, an influence on other people. So that's why, you know, I would focus on that group and say, guys, girls, ladies, everybody, get into it, get into this, get, you know, sign up. Um, yeah, let's walk by faith and just put our eyes on Jesus. And I know we do that. I know we do that. But I think we've got some blind spots. And, and, and I think these blind spots go unnoticed. You know, we're doing ministry, ministry may be happening and life is happening. And we just let the blind spots just kind of, you know, continue to be there, you know, just blind or maybe we're not even, not even conscious of them. But um, I hope that God will reveal more to you and that um, he would reveal more to us as the church and that he would, you know, transform the, the leaders, but also the people in the pews, the people in the, the seats and that we would see just a, an, a work of God unleashed to bring us back to the gospel because that's what that's what the church needs not legalism not emotionalism we need the truth that changes us right what does my marriage need my marriage needs the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that that changes us that transforms us what do my kids need they need to get saved they need to have the gospel preached to them demonstrated to them and, 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 and invested in their lives. And so that's what we need to get back to. I know this is a common thing to say, but um, you know, to be gospel-centered these days, but um, I believe this is a work of the Spirit, and I believe it's a, a work that God wants to do to, to change lives and to even change culture and to change the, the people in the church and even leaders. So thank you, uh, Pastor Daniel, for letting me, letting me share. Um, this is just a bit of a, a summary, and there's so much more, but um, keep your eyes on Jesus. Ask Him to help you live like a son and daughter, and search these things out. Galatians 4, 4 through 5, what does it mean for you? Are you walking in it? Galatians 2, 20, Paul's saying, you know, this is the way I live my life. In this flesh, in this body, I'm living by faith. So I hope you guys can receive this, begin to discover it for your life, begin to Observe yourself doing these things and maybe even begin to see some some freedom from the idols, from the from the patterns of our lives. God bless you guys. I hope you guys have a, a blessed day and I'm so thankful to have been able to uh, share this time with you guys. Well, I know that these episodes have been jam-packed. Man, I'm trying to get as much content to you as often as I can. Every other week is when we drop our episodes every other Monday. And so thank you guys so much for subscribing, for liking, for sharing. If you have not uh, given us a review on iTunes or Spotify, man, hit that five star. Give us a little review, share it, text a friend. Uh, let's continue to help this ministry grow. I know that for some reason it has grown by God's grace and it is by his grace. And so I just want to publicly praise and give glory to God for what he's doing and how he's doing it. And so what a blessing it is to be able to serve Jesus. And I'm so glad that I've been able to serve you through pointing you to Jesus with these leadership lessons. Whether I'm preaching, sharing wisdom, or having people that are connected, uh, man, I'm gearing up for season six uh, and just trying to get interviews, trying to get more preaching, godly content to encourage and equip you. That's the heart of EE Leaders. Uh, that's the ministry that 
really uh, is behind the Leadership Lessons podcast. We want to encourage and equip church leaders, whether that be through our cohorts, through our Patreon community, through one-on-one coaching, through the Leadership Lesson, or even social media and videos. Uh, Man, it is a great calling to give uh, your life to the things that God's called you to do. And one of the things he's called me to do is not only be a church leader in the church, but to shepherd and care for and love and serve those that are in other churches like yourself. And so keep serving the Lord. We're praying for you. It's such a blessing and honor to be with you as always. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. 